0: Trials, Tribulations, and the Truth. Dear friend, Life can change in an instant. Everything you thought you knew can vanish. The way you see the world, the way you see people around you, can be altered forever. In the fall of 2016, I was teaching full-time. I had decided to take a job as a drama teacher at a middle school dedicated to the arts. I thought I might be able to build a meaningful career from there. It wasn't an easy role to step into, however. This had been a failing school. It had been shut down, revamped, rebuilt, and then reopened as a performing arts magnet school. The arts facilities themselves were beautiful. The budget for the arts programs was non-existent. That was the most challenging part. Building a drama program from the ground up on top of introducing and teaching the art form to nearly every student in the school. It would not be easy. But it was a worthy cause. It was a role worth stepping into. Sundays would become a big planning day for me that year. Sundays would be spent creating curriculum, writing lesson plans, gathering resources, planning rehearsal details and schedules, and sometimes grading the last few assignments from the prior week. Sundays would be spent laboring over everything that needed to be done to succeed in building our drama program. It was important to me that we build a strong foundation. It was important to me that every student received a positive introduction to the art form I loved. I knew what participating in drama could do for a person. I knew what it had done for me. I wanted the same for my students. I would often be up late on Sunday evenings, planning and laboring over the week to come. I could have never planned for what was to come one Sunday evening, though. And there's no doubt I would labor over it from that point on. I've wrestled with it each and every day since it happened. I received a text message from an old friend in Jefferson. He was an Army veteran, too. Sam had spent some time in Iraq and Afghanistan during the height of the war, just like Johnny. They had reconnected a bit when Johnny first moved back, since Sam was living there, too. He was a good person for my brother to talk to. Sam would check in on me from time to time as well. We had been friends for years. When I saw his text message come through, I didn't think much of it at first. Until I read it. Hey Eli. Hope Johnny's okay. I hope your family's okay too. Please let me know if you need anything. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I had to admit it. I needed to know what was going on. I texted him back. Hey Sam, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I don't know what you're talking about. What happened to Johnny? There was a delayed response. His next message said, I'm sorry man, you may want to see it for yourself. Look up his public record on the internet. It's shocking. And sad. Like I said, please let me know if you need anything at all. I didn't know how to respond. When I looked up Johnny's public record that night, I was shocked. And sad. And extremely confused. I called mom and dad right away. Dad answered the phone. I could hear it in his voice from the moment he said hello. Life had changed. Forever. His dad told me more about what was going on. Uh, About what Johnny stood accused of, I realized that everything I thought I knew was vanishing in an instant. The way I would come to see the world, the way I would come to see people around me, would indeed be altered forever. What Johnny stood accused of was awful. It was unspeakable. It was nearly unbelievable. I didn't want to believe my brother was capable of it. Mom and dad couldn't believe their son was capable of it. What Johnny stood accused of, if true, would ruin people's lives. It would steal the innocence of his own children and become the most painful part of their lives. It would be their hardest memory and their worst nightmare. They would never forget. It would tear our family apart. My friend, I realize what I'm doing right now. I'm keeping you in the dark. We've been building to this moment. The entire story has been leading to this. The tip of the apex is here. Like fruit ready to fall from a tree, the truth is dangling on a string. You're on the razor's edge and I'm still not telling you what happened. What Johnny did. I'm keeping you in the dark. Believe me. I feel your pain. I know exactly exactly how you're feeling. I know it's frustrating and confusing and and filled with tension. It's maddening, I know, but believe me, I feel your pain, but I need you to sit with it just a little bit longer. I need you to hang in there. I need you to trust me, because even though I feel badly for doing this, it's the only way for you to truly understand. This is what happened to me. This is how I found out the truth myself. Here's what I did know. Dad told me Johnny had been arrested. He had been asked to come down to the police station to answer a couple of quick questions about the girls. While he was there, they had taken him into custody. Nobody was sure when Johnny would be getting out. The police and child protective services then came to Mom and Dad's house to question them. Dad was at work at the time, so Mom had to answer their questions alone. They asked her if she had known what was going on. Mom told them she had no idea what Johnny had done. She didn't even fully understand what he was actually accused of. Not at first. They told Mom that Cara, Lacey, and Caleb would need to be taken into their custody. They needed to question Mom and Dad some more and search the house for evidence. Mom tried to fight for the kids to stay, but it didn't help. She was told they might be able to get the kids back after a day or two. That was the beginning of a long battle that would ensue between the family and CPS, Child Protective Services. Ultimately, the kids would never live with mom and dad again. I listened to dad share the agonizing details and I ended up with more questions than answers. I launched them at dad all at once. When did this happen? What was Johnny actually accused of? What did Johnny do? What do you and mom think happened? Uh, How are the kids? Where are the kids? When can we see them? How do we get a hold of them? What do we do next? What can I do to help? Dad didn't know how to answer most of these. But he did answer the first one. He told me Johnny had been arrested and the kids had been taken away over a week before this phone call. Nine days to be exact. That made me so angry and confused. Why didn't you call us right away, Dad? Why did you wait this long to tell us? His answer only confused me more. Eli, he said, we didn't want you to worry. We knew you and Maddie had a lot going on and we didn't want to stress you out. None of it made sense. But Dad... We're family. We needed to know. Right away. Maybe we could have done something to help. I was so, so angry. I stayed angry about that for a long time. The way I had found out about Johnny and the kids. Initially through a text message from an old friend. By reading my brother's public record on the internet and then being told by my father it all happened nine days before I even knew. Addie and I never had a chance to help. I honestly don't know if we could have helped. I don't know exactly what we would have done, but we deserved a chance to try. I was so angry and so confused. That was only the beginning Over the course of the following year, I would try to help. I would try to be there for everyone involved in this horrific mess the best I could and to be a beacon of light for my family. I would try to piece together the truth. I would only end up even angrier and even more confused. Early on, Maddie and I found out how to contact the kids. They were staying with one of Ashley's brothers and his wife by then and we were told we could call and speak with them one night. The woman who answered the phone laid down the ground rules right away. We want you to know we'll be recording this conversation. You are not to ask the kids what their father did or anything about the case. You are not allowed to ask them where we live. You can ask them how they're doing, how school is going so far, things like that. She asked us if we understood. We told her we did. We appreciated how protective she was of the kids right from the start. We respected that. But all we wanted to do was make sure the kids were okay. To tell them we loved them and would be there for them as much as we possibly could. We spoke to the kids for a few minutes that night. Not much was said. Based on the ground rules, there wasn't a whole lot of room left for conversation. But we did get to tell them we loved them and we were there for them. After the kids said goodbye... Maddie and I were told to never call that number again. If the kids wanted to speak with us, they would be allowed to call us. That was it. After we hung up, I broke down. Maddie was there to catch me. She was always there to catch me. After that phone call, I was angry. I felt guilty by association. I felt slighted by the family who now had custody of my nieces and nephew. I felt like they were holding me responsible for what Johnny had done. For taking his side. But I hadn't taken a side. They didn't understand at the time that there was no side for me to take. I didn't know what Johnny had done. I didn't know for a long time that it involved his own kids. I didn't know Kara Lacey and Caleb were some of the victims. I was on their side from the very beginning. I would always be on their side. But I didn't know I was supposed to be standing against my brother in the process. I knew he must have done something wrong. I knew he must have made a mistake. He had made a bad choice. He was in jail for a reason. But I had no idea until later how wrong his choices and his actions had been. All I knew for sure... Was I was angry. Maddie and I tried to work with CPS. We wanted to have consistent contact with the kids if possible. We hoped to have visitation rights with them. We felt we deserved that. We hadn't done anything wrong. We were nowhere near Jefferson when everything happened. We were living up in Albuquerque, of course, and what Johnny was accused of had happened nearly 200 miles away. Maddie and I, we just wanted to be there to help the kids. We just wanted them to know they had more people out there who loved them. Who wanted the best for them. We just wanted them to have more family standing by their side. But I made a mistake in my conversations with CPS. I brought up Ashley. I explained a lot about her past. I explained a lot about her and Johnny's past. I expressed concern about her family. I was worried her family would let Ashley back into the kids' lives. She had lost all of her rights by then, mostly because of her issues with drugs and alcohol, and I was worried she would find a way back into the picture. I somehow convinced myself she might even try to get custody of them again. I knew Ashley wasn't good for the kids. She hadn't been for many, many years. And I wasn't sure if her family would be good for them either. I didn't know them. At the time, I didn't know whose side they were really on. I was doing the same thing to them that I accused them of doing to me. Making them guilty by association. Holding them responsible for what Ashley had done. I was wrong. But at the time, I was conflicted. CPS didn't want to hear it. All of the issues from the past had very little to do with the present. That was their perspective. My mistake was pitting one family against the other. My mistake was putting Ashley's past transgressions on trial and comparing them to Johnny's. That wasn't my intention, but from the outside, that's how it looked. CPS didn't like it. They too felt I was taking sides. The wrong side. So they kept the kids from having contact with us as well. They too made me feel judged and slighted. They too made me very angry. I got to a point where I was angry with everyone. I just wanted to know what happened. How it had happened. I wanted to know what led to this horrific mess in the first place. And if there was anything we could do to fix it. I wanted to help. I thought if I could only know what Johnny was accused of, I might be able to. If someone would just tell me the truth, we could begin to deal with it and try to make it right. I hoped it was all just a big misunderstanding. At first, I even believed that might be the case. Mom and Dad certainly did. Johnny swore to them he wasn't guilty. He swore he wasn't capable of what he was accused of. He swore it was just a big misunderstanding and then he convinced them to bail him out of jail. He told them he would prove his innocence. I was ready. I wanted to hear the truth. I hadn't heard Johnny's side of the story yet. I hadn't heard the victim's side either. Even before Johnny was released from jail, I began hearing everyone else's. Mom and Dad's, Johnny's friends, some of my old friends and acquaintances from Jefferson. Most of their stories had already been filtered through Johnny, or through someone who had spoken or written to him. Every detail, even the damning ones against him, had a response. Johnny was able to twist and turn every part of the story to his advantage. He was able to sow doubt in every piece of possible evidence. He was able to not only make people believe him, he was able to make them feel sorry for him. He wasn't lying, everyone else was, even his own kids to a certain extent. They were helping the victims instead of their own father. They had started to rebel before all of this even happened and were now agreeing with what the victims said. According to Johnny, they were now on the wrong side of the truth. Either they were confused or they were deliberately going against him. This was the part that confused me the most. Why would Johnny be pitting his own kids against his supposed innocence? It didn't seem like a good way to prove anything. I would need to talk to Johnny about this and so much more. I wanted to hear the truth. I still wanted to be there for my brother, too. But I knew I needed to be very careful in the process. I knew I needed to keep a safe distance. This was a storm with the potential to hurt me and my family, too. So I didn't come around very much when Johnny first got released from jail. But I couldn't stay away for good. I still loved my brother. I still wanted to believe in him. I wanted to hear what had happened from Johnny himself. I wanted to know what he had actually done. Even if it was just a big misunderstanding. He seemed to have answers for everyone else. He seemed to tell them his side of the story. Surely he would tell his little brother, his best friend, the truth. Right? Wrong. Johnny didn't have many answers for me. He never would tell me much of anything. All he kept saying was, it's not what people think. Ashley's family is just trying to get back at me. I didn't do what they're saying I did. Sometimes he would add a phrase all too familiar. It's going to be fine, Eli. This time, I finally pushed back. I told him nothing about this was fine. None of it made sense, especially the part about the kids. I would ask him about that. And every time he would respond the same way. He would tell me the kids didn't understand the truth. They were being lied to. They were lying. They were breaking his heart. He would start crying. He would say losing his kids was the worst part. His worst nightmare. Johnny would make me feel bad for him. After all, it was true he had lost his kids. And they had been his world before all of this happened. So I felt bad for him. Really bad. But I also knew he wasn't telling me the whole story. I knew the police had found some kind of video or electronic evidence. When I asked him about that, Johnny would say, Eli, they don't have any evidence. The detectives are just trying to scare everybody. All they got from me was a forced (laughs) confession. They tricked me. I admitted to making a video for my girlfriend. That's all. But my lawyers are going to get that thrown out from the trial anyway. Johnny left out so much of the truth. He kept me in the dark. I think he did it on purpose. I think he knew I would eventually figure it out. If he told me too much, I would be able to piece together the truth. So Johnny kept lying. He kept manipulating. He kept twisting and turning the story to what he thought was his advantage. Worst of all, he kept turning people against each other and ruining people's lives. It would begin to catch up with him, though. Johnny would end up getting arrested again. About four months after the initial arrest, the police would issue a search warrant, find steroids in Johnny's old room, and have enough to take him into custody again. They would search the rest of the house, seize computers and tablets and cell phones, and ultimately find the evidence they needed. We wouldn't find out about the evidence ourselves until the trial, but the detectives finally had what they needed to prove Johnny's guilt. They had what was needed to tell the whole story. To tell the truth. Johnny, too, would have one more chance to do the same before the trial. He would have a chance to do the right thing. He would even be offered a plea bargain that could have saved him years behind bars if he just admitted what he had done. If he made the right choice even if it was the most difficult one imaginable to him. Instead, Johnny did it his own way. Once again, he wouldn't listen to anyone else. He somehow convinced himself he could still prove it was just a big misunderstanding, that everyone else was lying and he was telling the truth. He tried to convince Mom and Dad of this again, too. This time, they weren't sure who to believe. But Johnny was successful in getting them to suspect the police of planning steroids in his room. He was successful in sowing a little more doubt. And then, he was successful in convincing mom and dad he needed to be bailed out of jail again. This time because he was really sick. According to my brother, he might even be dying. Johnny told mom and dad he was rapidly losing weight. He told him he had taken some tests while in jail and was told by one doctor he might have early signs of cancer. He begged mom and dad to save his life. To give him more time outside of jail to fight for his innocence and for his children. To fight for his family. It worked. And because the detectives were still searching through everything they had seized from the house and hadn't found the actual evidence they needed at that point, mom and dad were able to post bail for Johnny one more time. Not without consequences, though. Dad pulled nearly all of his retirement out for it. He drained his savings. He gave everything he had. Because he thought his son was really sick. Maybe even dying. Because he wanted to believe his son was innocent. That he couldn't possibly be capable of what he stood accused of. This, too, would have its consequences. When Cara, Lacey, and Caleb heard about Johnny being bailed out again, they were through with Mom and Dad. In the kids' eyes, they had completely taken Johnny's side now. They couldn't be trusted anymore. The kids didn't ever want to see or talk to Mom and Dad again after that. When Johnny got out of jail the second time, I didn't go to see him right away, partly because I was really busy with work and spending time with Maddie and Jackson. But I was also tired of taking time off from those things. I was tired of dropping everything and going down to Jefferson when I knew I wasn't getting the whole story. I was tired of the darkness. So I didn't go see Johnny right away. Mom would call me a few weeks later and tell me how disappointed Johnny was. How sad and upset he was. He told her he felt like I didn't care anymore. He felt like I would be there if it were Maddie's brother Nate in this situation, or one of my old friends from Jefferson. He actually lashed out at mom about it one day. That's why she called me. Your your brother really needs you right now, Eli. I don't care what arrangements you have to make. We need you to come down here. So I went. I must say when I saw Johnny after his second stint in jail, he did look really sick. He had lost a lot of weight. He didn't look like a superhero at all anymore. He looked like he could, in fact, be dying. I found out he hadn't been eating. He told me he couldn't anymore. Nothing would stay down. I found out he was having excruciating pain in his back and his abdomen area. I found out he was taking far too many medications to numb the pain. Johnny was not doing well. I began to really worry about him. I began to feel like I needed to be there for my brother and my parents more. When that school year came to an end, I decided to step away from teaching. I would not be returning the following year. In many ways, it was a difficult decision. On the other hand, it was quite simple. Either I could be fully committed to my students and the wonderful staff I worked with, or I could be fully committed to the family that desperately needed me at the time. My family. I chose them. I chose Johnny. I went back to doing medical billing and coding. I went back to the company I had worked for in Los Angeles. It would allow me to work from home again. It would allow me to work for a friend. Chad would be my direct supervisor and support me more than I would ever be able to thank him for. It would allow me to drop everything and go when I needed to, or to bring my work with me. So that's what I did. For the next five months, I went down to Jefferson a lot. I took Johnny to medical appointments and asked lots of questions. I got in shouting matches with some of his VA doctors. I demanded Johnny be referred to different specialists. I even coordinated a fundraiser to raise money for Johnny's medical bills. I did everything I could to help my brother. To help my parents. To show them all that I did care. I really did. And even though I still didn't know if Johnny was innocent or guilty, I knew I didn't want him to be sick. Or to die. I wanted to be there for him as much as I could for whatever amount of time we had left. I was there all the way up to the end. Up to the night before the trial. That's a night I'll never forget. Johnny started talking about making a run for it. He talked about possibly going up to Canada and staying with someone he knew there. He also talked about the possibility of suicide. He talked about taking his own life. Saying it didn't matter anymore. That led to another idea. He thought maybe he could just hurt himself badly enough to get out of the trial. Buy himself a little more time. He talked about that being a possible solution. He said he couldn't go through with the trial. That alone might kill him. He knew the girls were going to be there and he wasn't ready to face them. I told Johnny he had to go through with it. Running would only make things worse. It would ensure he went to prison. It would make him guilty in the eyes of so many. I told him all his other ideas were not a solution either. Then I stayed awake all night watching Johnny. Making sure he didn't try to run. Or worse. That's a night I'll never forget. The next day was the trial. It took place in Livingston. It would not only just about kill Johnny. It would just about kill the rest of us. The Truth was painful. So, so very painful. My brother was guilty. Guilty of child pornography and sexual exploitation. The two girls, Cara and Lacey, had befriended when Johnny was coaching the varsity baseball team. Freshmen in high school. Fourteen years old. So young. And so innocent. There was Johnny's confession. It played for all in the courthouse to hear. It was disgusting. And disturbing. He admitted to multiple counts. Twenty at least. Maybe more. There was the video evidence. Three the detectives were able to find. Johnny had tried getting rid of them, but the investigators found them in a deleted folder. In the videos, you could see Johnny setting up the camera in the bathroom. In mom and dad's bathroom. The judge would later say, The look on Johnny's face is what would haunt him the most. He looked driven by something darker than words could ever describe. The courthouse didn't show the videos, of course, but they would play the audio for all to listen to as well. You could hear Johnny's voice telling the girls the restroom was open. If they wanted to change their clothes or take a bath or a shower, it was available for whatever they needed. The girls would end up on video, in their most private moments. In the most personal ways. Kara and Lacey would end up in one of the videos too. His own daughters. Johnny had to have known that was possible. But he did it anyway. Finally, there were the girls' testimonies. That was the hardest part. Even more painful than hearing Johnny's confession or the audio from the horrific videos he recorded. Hearing their words, hearing their pain, was the hardest part. They were angry. They were embarrassed. They were heartbroken. They were hurting. What Johnny did damaged them far beneath the skin. He stole their innocence. He broke their trust. Not just their trust in him. Their trust in every man. He just about broke their spirit entirely. Johnny took pieces of them that they would never get back. Their lives would never be the same. They would be changed forever. Carr and Lacey felt the same way. Only they experienced certain parts of the trauma in a completely different way. This was their father. He was once a shining light in their lives. He was once their provider and their protector. He was once their hero. Now, just a villain. Lacey didn't want to speak on the stand. She didn't even want to look at Johnny. Or any of us in the courtroom. I understood I couldn't look at anybody either I sat by mom with my head down and just held her she wept and she shook and I just held her Cara spoke on the stand she had a lot to say she directed almost every word right to Johnny's face I understood that too The part that got to me the most was when she talked about what she would be losing in the future. She asked these painful questions. Who would celebrate with her when she graduated from high school? Who would walk her down the aisle someday? Who would be there when she had her first child? It was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. When Kara came off the stand, I finally looked at her and whispered through tears streaming down my face. I didn't know. I didn't know. I really didn't know. That was the hardest day of my life. I cannot even begin to imagine how hard it was for Kara and Lacey and their two friends. They deserved so much better Than what Johnny gave them. Dear friend, I had to say goodbye to Johnny that day. I had to say goodbye to the brother I once knew. He wasn't the same person anymore. He was no longer Superman. He was no longer a superhero at all. Johnny was now the villain. All that was left in the wake of his actions was darkness. Darkness was everywhere. I wanted no part of that darkness. I wanted to remove myself from the melodies Johnny and I once sang together. I wanted to go my own way. I was now dealing with my own rhythm of opposites. So I had to say goodbye.